All right, so this week, a little different. Uh, still talking about uh, the albums. We've got Dave with us. Hello. Hey, yeah, Dave, uh, another another guitar player. You know, to, to get into the show, a uh, couple questions. Um, do you like music? Uh, funny you should ask. In fact, I do like music. Okay, good. Uh, and you play music? I, I, I do indeed, as you just mentioned. All right. Top of our list this week is Sleater Kinney. And if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry. Their album, Dig Me Out. I fucking loved it. To me, it sounded like um, a, a little bit of the old B-52s with kind of an REM vibe from like maybe Driver 8 era. It had that just, it, it was a little more rocking and, and raw, very raw. I liked the rawness. I did too. Yeah. I, the recording was very raw. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That lo-fi sound. But it was cool as hell. I, I really enjoyed every moment of that. I have I have a little bit of a history to answer that question. So I first heard of, I, I completely, first of all, missed, completely missed Slater Kenny when they first came out. I liked pretty much everything. I liked the guitar work. I liked the sort of blending of indie and punk that they kind of put together there's obviously a lot of like emotional honesty into the lyrics of the singing which i appreciate i I always love that kind of stuff but i figured out there's one element that just kills it for me i really don't care for the lead singer's voice corin tucker i i I wish i wish carrie brownstein who was the the other guitar player i wish she did more singing frankly because i i think i would have liked it better you know it's interesting because uh corin is out of the band now oh is she yeah she left like a year or two ago something like that Carrie Brownstein, I didn't realize I had known from the show Portlandia. Yep. I know who she is. She's pretty funny. But during those first days of lockdown, I actually went back and watched all of it on Netflix, and I made it like all the way to the last season before. Same thing. I was like, oh, that woman plays in Slater Kenny. I had no idea. And the drummer, I had to go look her up. I, this was, I think, the first album she played on, Janet Weiss. Very unfortunate name to yeah. grow up in the 70s, because eh? I think every time she said her name, someone's probably back there going, slut! Yep. A- apparently, this whole thing with Corin Tucker's voice, I'm, I'm not alone. Um, I was doing some reading about them, and, and I guess one critic even wrote at one point that Slater Kinney has love them or hate them vocals, I think was the quote. <laughs> and, and apparently, even Corin Tucker has said that she sings intentionally harsh because she wants to really grab the listener's attention. To me, it sounded like Belinda Carlisle went off her meds, but it, it did grab my attention. Top 500, yes or no? I, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I can understand why it was sort of groundbreaking when it came out. Like I said, especially that sort of punk indie blend was was novel and new at the time. So uh, absolutely. I, I think it was like, even though I didn't care for it, I think it belongs on the list. The overall sound, the overall music is what I really liked. Yeah. And that drummer is fantastic. Yeah, she really is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the music's top-notch. I'm going to dim the lights now. We're going to go to Al Green's Greatest Hits. So this is this is like kind of my jam. I, I've got a weak spot for that sort of old, like, uh. 70s R&B soul music in that genre, but I definitely like that whole sort of aesthetic. My favorite track has to be Tired of Being Alone. Yeah, it's a good one. To be honest, the rest of that album, just it was all like one very long, very white song. It was good on... On all levels, you know, fantastic musicianship, the singing, great. I, I sort of had a similar thing. Like, I could not imagine how Take Me to the River didn't end up on that album. Because he had recorded it by then. It felt like some stuff was missing. So. Yeah, I, I do kind of agree. I was a little bit surprised with some of the song selection. My problem is, it was a greatest hits album. And I think if you were going to put Al Green in the top 500, pick one of the albums he did. Yeah. Don't, don't yes. throw a compilation. Yes. 
Yeah. I, as I was listening to it, I was kind of thinking like, oh, even now I can't tell you why it belonged on a top 500 list. No, I couldn't either. See, you know, you have to wonder about the age of the person that, that compiled the top 500 I mean, for me, for me, I, again, I liked it. I like that genre of music. I, I, I think it's a little bit of a nostalgia trip, obviously, because I was, you know, like I think both of you, I was a child of the 70s as well, so it sort of takes me back a little bit. I have to say I would have preferred one of his albums in the top 500. I'm not, I don't know about the greatest hits being in there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not on board with that either. Uh, that's one of the first ones we got to vote out. Let's move on. Exile in Guyville, Liz Fair. I'll start. I like, I like this album. It's not what I would call her strongest. I think Agreed. she's done better albums than this. I don't know why this one was picked up. It's very odd at times. I feel that her chops and her songwriting and everything else it got tremendously better. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I love her voice. I did not like this album. Not even a little. I wish I had liked it more because some of the, uh, just her and the musicianship, everything was solid, but the the songwriting was just kind of crap, I thought. Yeah, it, you know, it, to me, it almost came out almost more like a uh, an experimental piece. A lot of the songs seemed sort of like improvisational and, and unfinished. It was like, I'm going to sit down at the piano or I'm going to pick up the guitar and I'm just going to play around until something sounds good to me. And then I'm going to sing the first words that come out of my mouth and the first draft is good enough. You know, there, it, it didn't seem like there was some of it. I mean, was so experimental that like there was one song, I it was, I think it was flower that you could almost mistake for like a Laurie Anderson type song. That's how sort of unfinished it sounded. Yes. It seemed like a lot of I'm playing around and whatever comes out is good enough. Yeah. This really needed a producer. This really yeah, needed a seasoned producer to go. All right. I see what you're trying to do here, but let's, Let's do this instead. Yep. Because she was not focused on that album at all. It didn't yep. seem like the album started with a lot of like demos that she produced herself on a four track in her bedroom. And oh. it just doesn't sound like they really evolved much after that. I agree with you, Corey. I think some of the like the later work we, when you get like her second album, Whip Smart, which whereas the, the big single was uh, Supernova that got played on MTV. Yes. That album was like a lot more polished. I don't know, radio friendly is probably not the right word because most of her lyrics are not radio friendly at all. No. But it, it, it was more hooky. It had more of a catch to it. It was more, you know, accessible. But you're right. Whip smart, definitely. I would have to say I, I like the idea of Liz Fair in this top 500, but not this album. Same. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, tend to agree. Are you tired of format radio? Yeah. Online streaming services slipping you the unwanted nickelback? Fucking nickelback. Can't find that right groove? Yeah. Well, look no further. Playlist masters are here to improve your musical experience. Oh. We catalog all your music. Yeah. We data warehouse your browser history. Uh, we study the TV, movies, and online videos you watch. Wait, what? And create for you the best playlist ever. Oh, cool. Are you ready? Because we made you the perfect playlist. Yeah. All right, let's start with your most frequently played songs. No, no, turn it off. That's not right. All right, we'll try it again. Oh, man, no, that's my old lady. Hey, the data don't lie, but all right, let's go by your browser history then. Oh man, you guys suck. Your data tells the truth. You know it, we know it, you love it. Playlist Masters, call us today. Now the wild card, run DMC, raising hell. 
What a fantastic album. I mean, uh, kind of from start to finish, I really enjoyed re-listening to that one. And in reading about it, I found out, you know, Rick Rubin actually helped write a a good number of those songs. It was interesting how that, you know, the rap rock sound became, get a little more, what, mainstream? I don't know if that's the right word. The whole thing was just like, that was a lot of fun. Run DMC pretty much saved Aerosmith. Oh yeah, Walk This Way is, is, is a standout on that. Yeah, I mean, Steven Tyler was like, really coked out of his mind at that point and it was that collaboration where they they came back and get together apparently like nobody wanted to do it run dmc had no idea who aerosmith was they fought ruben on the idea and it turned out to be this huge hit that like you said it really bought aerosmith back from the brink yeah honestly and that they kind of came back from the dead they really did but not to take away from run dmc this was This was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, it kind of was, yeah. For the rest of us, you know, Caucasians. Oh yeah. To show you how groundbreaking it was, like I'm I'm in high school at this little this little rural town in northern Virginia outside of Washington DC. Predominantly white guys, not hip hop's target demographic at wow. the time. But everybody's going around quoting this this album. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. know, sing, singing lyrics from from My Adidas and UB Illin, which everybody thought was hysterical at the time. Well, that's what I think Ruben helped do. He what like it or no, he really did help bring the rap and the hip hop community into a, a larger audience overall. Because beforehand, they just weren't getting that kind of exposure. And some of the songs, like I, I remember, like My Adidas, everybody was everybody was kind of quoting that song. It was one of those songs that everybody was quoting at school at the time. And it's like, did these guys really do a whole song about their shoes? Um, and yeah, not only did they did it, but they parlayed it into like a, a million dollar endorsement deal with the company. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that song. Yeah, it's amazing. The other thing, as I was the other thing, as I was reading that that I had no idea was when right when Run DMC finally split up. Um, some of it was over creative differences because, like, by the nineties, you had um, Corn and Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock, and so um. Ron wanted to go back to that sort of aggressive, hard sound, sort of keeping up with what was big at the time. But meanwhile, DMC had turned into a fan, this is according to Wikipedia, had turned into a fan of thoughtful singer-songwriters like John Lennon and Sarah McLachlan and wanted a more introspective direction. And I'm just like, can you imagine listening to this album in 86 and thinking, yeah, eventually they'll be doing Sarah McLachlan songs? I can't imagine. All right. So since there's three of us, I decided there should be five albums. That's the kind of math I do. Sure. That's very good math, yes. Number 84, ACDC, Back in Black. Number (laughs) 282, Frank Sinatra, In the Wee Small Hours. Number 486, John Mayer, Continuum. Number 7, finally something in the top 10, Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Nice, nice. And... At number 239, help me out here, Boogie Down Productions, Criminal Minded? What? Anyone? Okay. It's not just me. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's new to me. So influential that three people have never heard of it. Okay. John Mayer's a fantastic guitarist. He's he's amazing, but he's a fucking douche. I had a buddy of mine that hates him that actually just said something nice because apparently... Next January, he's going to be doing a dead show, and it's they say that he channels Jerry quite well. Good, good for him. Who's the last band again? Boogie Down Productions. Boogie Down Productions. <laughs> okay, yeah, I 
All right, that that's a whole name, huh? Yeah. Okay. I boy. Criminal Minded is the album. Criminal Minded. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, there. I, I just looked them up. There. So it's a hip hop group. Okay. Oh, okay. And and apparently it's a hip hop group that included KRS One, who uh, remember did that album with R, or not album song radio song with REM. Okay. Nineteen eighty-seven. So back to the same time period as really. Yeah. Run DMC and Beastie wow. Boys. Yeah, that 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 was off my radar completely. Bookie Down Productions pioneered the fusion of dancehall, reggae, and hip hop. Dancehall. This is this is. I'm going down the Wikipedia rabbit hole now. Dancehall is a genre of Jamaican popular music that originated in the late 1970s. Initially, dancehall was a more sparse version of reggae than the root style, which had dominated much of the 1970s. Well, okay. I live in a very shallow world, apparently. But I'm white, so, you know, I probably do. Yeah, man. Thank you all. This has been fun. We'll, we'll do the next five albums next time. So Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Wow. 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 Hey, hey. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh.